The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Greetings. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host tonight, Tony Payne. With me are John Sestina and Craig Konstantinovich. Great to see you guys. How are you doing today? Good to see you. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day and Winter's coming. <laughs> Winter is coming. Maybe in more ways than one, but yeah. we'll talk about that. Absolutely. But yeah, no, doing great. Doing great. Another great day for financial planning. You bet. Is your little one keeping you active, Craig? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> We're Right now, she's still not able to crawl around or anything like that. So it's more so the giggling, the flailing, you know, getting used to kind of how the extremities work. Oh, is this your excuse for her not having a job? Listen, John, <laughs> I have been trying to make her an advertising baby, but Gerber said that they were all booked up. I'll be darned. Well, what I about know. your partners? Well, again, the, the conversation continues. <laughs> the conversation <laughs> continues. Well, see, and this is exactly what we're talking about tonight in one way or another is passing on assets, passing on wealth to the next generation. We know it's much more than just assets and wealth, though. So that's what we're hoping to go through tonight. Go through some of the technicalities, go through some of the details. But before we do, we wanted to check in on some fun topics here. We talked about robots perhaps assisting older or elderly people here. John, when you hear that phrase, robots assisting elderly people, what comes to mind? My Orcam I. Really? It allows me to see. That's a good one. Be able to read. It reads to me, actually. And it'll tell me when I when people are sitting around, I say, who's in front of me? And it'll tell me that. And it'll tell me that uh, if I come to a staircase, it'll say there's a up, what is it, up, upward bound yeah, staircase. Incline, right? Yeah, incline. Mm-hmm. And walk up that. It'll tell you where the handrail is and tell you where the doorknob is. It's really helpful. Like but mainly it reads. And that was a big missing part of my life for a while. Well, it, we have robots helping people right now, it sounds like. Yes. That's wonderful. I mean, all the years of technology and all the investments and all the it'll come in the future, it'll come. I think we're living there. There's so many things that are out there. I mean, if you just saw all the things that this one thing, this OrCam does, for anyone having any visual problems, they got to go to their website and check them out. It'll blow your mind. It's amazing what they're doing now. Amen. I mean, we're, one of the things we're going to talk through a little bit more specifics are just the idea of even that foot-tall robot. You know, we were reading an article about it. I think its name was Alec. Is yep. that right, Craig? Yep, Alec. So Alec so is around helping this lady, and one of the tasks Alec does reminds her to take her medicine in the morning, reminds her to drink water, reminds her of her appointments, just basic stuff. That sounds like an iPhone. Right, doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> it, does, it? But yeah. put a little body on it maybe or maybe a tail or a face on it, and yeah. now you've got a companion. I mean, my Apple Watch does that. It says drink water. <laughs> See? <laughs> Stand up. Stand up, yep. Exercise. Exercise, exactly. Have oh, you yeah. named your Apple Watch, John, your companion? 
No. Okay. See, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what you're saying now, I mean, that's where they're starting to bridge the gap. You're right. These are still things. There's no replacement for human contact, human interaction. But there are some things that these toys or robots can help with. They mm -hmm. are. And the measurements they're able to do now with the new uh, chips and so forth, where the, they can read body temperature and tell you all kinds of things that you never would have dreamed. Uh, you know, just even my silly Apple Watch. Yeah. It tells just by the temperature of your skin. It knows stuff. Yeah. It I can mean, alert you. There's those kind of things, and then there's even the artificial intelligence just for some of the other more mundane tasks, you know, like the Roomba, for instance, going around being able to vacuum everything else like that, help you make sure that your house is still tidy. I mean, they're they're using sensors, they're using radars, same way, maybe not as personalized, but still offering that kind of benefit of, well, let me make sure that everything is cared to, so that way you're not missing something, or that way it's one less thing that you have to worry about. The only problem is you have to learn how to dance. Well, that's true. Or you just have to make sure that the Roomba's working while you're asleep <laughs> in your recliner, and that way it has the full area to clean. But, you know, tomato, tomato. Yes. Well, and for all this talk about electric cars, I mean, think about the mobility if you had a robotic wheelchair, smart wheelchair. I mean, that's the idea that some of these things are going towards here the idea that it's not just get pushed by someone or be able to manipulate it yourself, but what if the chair even knew where it was going? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of neat stuff. I know when we went through it, there was even some of the, I don't know, mundane things, but you think about the activities of daily living. If you can have a robot, mm -hmm. just prepare food. Well, I think of these uh, veterans who come back and they're multiply dis uh, disabled. Yeah. And they're building these houses and the incredible things. I mean, whenever I did my motorcycle riding and I'd go to one of those house completions, it was so emotional, you can't believe. All that this would allow them to do that you never would, the things you don't think of. It's like with me, now that I can't see so well, if you come up behind me or beside me, I don't can't see you, so I don't know who you are. But my little eye thing will say, Tony. <laughs> That's awesome. Punch I, him in the nose. No. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, I hope it doesn't say that part. But I, And to tie this into financial planning, our fun topic of the day, you know, if you are building wealth and if you are living within your means, you never know what's going to pop up. But if you have that reserve, maybe there is something you need to buy that isn't covered by insurance. Or maybe there is some gizmo or some renovation at the house that would give you your independence back. And you never know what's coming. And I know a lot of people talk about insurance policies or other things, but I think the best thing to have is cash. Well, that's true. And and you hit it on a word. I'm not sure carried the weight it should. As you retire, one of the things is, yes, you need cash. No question about it. You need a reserve, as we teach all the time. But the uh, uh, ability to have some independence becomes the most important thing to you in your life. You know, being half blind the way I am, I literally walk into things yeah. or don't recognize people or mm -hmm. can't read so much. Uh, th those are things you don't even think about when you're young and vital and you can read and do whatever else. But as you grow older and your vision fails you or you can't walk or whatever the case may be, that those robot things and whatever else, the science that's going on, can really make you have a whole life again. Especially when you think about the cognitive things, too. I mean, just... Something to remember what's going on and be. I mean, some of these are so smart now, John. You can say, "Hey, my leg's sore," and the darn robot's going to ask you in a week how your leg feels. 
And it's pretty amazing. And you think about that ability to go back and forth just when you're sitting alone or something like that, which hopefully doesn't happen a lot, but we know that unfortunately it is. So when you have these tools and you can afford them, it can make life a lot easier in retirement. Well, for you guys who are, you know, roaming around doing all these seminars, meeting people all over the world all the time, there's a, I guess you'd call it a robot. It's like this, my eye thing. And what it'll do is as you meet someone, say you're at a convention yeah. and you meet someone, talk to them for a few minutes, it records all that and saves that information. So you meet him six months later at a shopping mall, it'll tell you all that. Uh -huh. It'll help you remember all that. And what's the biggest thing that happens when you go to these conferences? You can't remember the names. Right. You get and, bombarded with people. And you could record, it'll automatically record thousands as it is. Yeah. And boy, what an asset that is. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? That or even, you know, having some some uh, robot pets around. So that way you can still have some sense of uh, camaraderie, have some sense of caring for something without necessarily needing to worry about the bathing, the feeding, the, you know, letting out to go to the bathroom, those kind of things. Yeah, but you have to be careful. That's how I lost my finger. Add <laughs> <laughs> that to another one on the list there. <laughs> now, see, as we go through, and we're coming up on a break here, but, you know, we're talking about all these possible companions and assistants and all that stuff. Well, the rest of the show, we're going to focus on the kids, and what most people focus on is how to get money to the heirs, how to get things to the next generation smoothly, Hopefully they're helping you along the way and you're not stuck with just your robot as you're thinking about this stuff. But we want to cover this. We want to cover more so that you're ready when you retire and you can retire on your terms. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that and more. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings, hello, and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host tonight, Tony Payne. With me are Craig Konstantinovich and John Sestina. Tonight we're talking about wealth transfers, how to get money to others if you so chose, and a couple other things that go along with that. So before we go much further, we know there's this thing called the great wealth transfer, and it's happening now and it's probably going to happen for the next 20, 25 years. Can you tell us any more about that, Craig? Yeah, so basically what's happening here is we're seeing that a lot of the you know current generation, a little bit older generations, they've amassed a significant amount of wealth. So what's happening is as some of the baby boomers are, are passing off and, and as uh, their their plans are ending, uh, for lack of a more politically correct way of saying it yeah, here. Yeah, plans ending. That's plans a nice, ending. yeah, good phrasing there, Craig. <laughs> um, but as that's happening, their money's now being passed to the next generations. So what we're seeing with that is a lot of people are coming into significant windfalls and they may not necessarily have a plan in place. They may be reacting or getting emotional with it. Um, so really what we're talking about here is how best to be prepared for this without maybe spending that money foolishly. And to give it some scope, we're talking about $68 trillion. Well, that's just yours, Tony. What yeah, about well, the rest you know. of the world? <laughs> thanks, John. I appreciate it. That's thanks to your tutelage. Um, well, I mean, I get for scope, though, the national debt's $30 trillion. Right. So, I mean, we're going to pass over double that in the next 20, 30 years, roughly, which hopefully the next generation grows it, 
just like the ones before them, and the economy stays strong and keeps growing. But we want to go over some of the things that hopefully are happening now, because when we're talking about this, the best thing we can do, I think, is discuss it. Craig, have you had many of these discussions with people, or are people talking about this? Uh, there's been some people that have alluded to the fact that they know that there is going to be some kind of an inheritance at some point or another, but they haven't necessarily identified what that is, how much that is, how that's all structured. So it started, but not necessarily an everyday conversation just yet. Okay. John, as you've experienced both ends of this, I think seeing these people amass it, seeing these people pass on and give it to the next generation. Or... Well, it goes everywhere from the one one person I know who has only one child. Yep. And he told that child, just because you're the only child doesn't mean you're getting anything. Yep. So there can be that where you're going to hold it all back or give it away to charity. There was some person recently who had amassed billions of dollars and he gave it to some charity. I forget what it was. And it was big news in the newspaper and so forth. And his family, as far as we know, didn't get anything, mm -hmm. but they must have gotten something. So there's a lot of that kind of thought, but most people don't think about their money. I mean, even on a daily basis. Right now, they're caught up in the inflation and uh, you know the job and the economy and so forth. And so they may not be thinking about, what do I do forward? Because most people, we know most people aren't forward thinking. Right. And so we have to help them think that way. Uh, and they may or may not have a lot of money. They may have other relatives they want to take care of. You know, I had an aunt I had to take care of. I don't think you guys met her, but uh, she was an incredible woman. She was single all, all her life and lived a, a wonderful life in Dayton, Ohio, and but had nothing. Yeah. And so somebody has to help those people out. When, this is where we would say it. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people assume it may go to the kids or heirs in that sense, but it can go wherever you want. And the important part is you have control over it. You have some say. So one of the first big points is discuss with your family your wishes. Now, that can be tough sometimes. Do you think it's a good idea, John, to discuss where the money's going, or should they open up the will and find out then? No, I think it's a good idea for a family to correspond, to talk with each other. In fact, have, you know, maybe an annual meeting, family meeting, and they review everything and the parents' uh, understanding of what they've tried to accomplish. And even more, the family can discuss their values and why they did this and why they, quote, unquote, invested in that, et cetera, et cetera. Pass on more than just the material wealth, but pass on the real wealth, which is their value system and what they knew. So talking about everything is a good idea. But quite frankly, Tony, I don't think people are doing that. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big things. I, I know I've said it several times here, but when I was growing up, I was always told, don't talk to, don't talk to strangers and don't talk about money. Right. Now I make a living talking to strangers about money. So <laughs> don't know where the irony nice falls work, in on Craig. that one. Nice work, Craig. Nice work. But no, I mean, again, a lot of times people think that discussing dollar amounts specifically can lead to greed, can lead to bad emotions and maybe that's not necessarily what the conversation is centered around but it should be more so centered around the idea of okay well i've got my estate maybe we work in percentages you know if there's three kids in the family each of you will get a third a third a third or maybe it's divided into force with another fourth of that going to charity or whatever the case may be but if you're not talking about what those wishes are if you're not reviewing that on some regular basis 
people may start to make reactions or they may start to create some disdain towards some of their other family members if it's not reviewed and let's say one family member gets more of an inheritance than the other that may not necessarily be prevalent as why that decision was made but if you're able to talk about that and articulate it that way may remove some of the emotions that are tied to it and we're also seeing in today's environment there are a lot of uh, quote unquote young people who are anticipating that inheritance <laughs> and so yes. they are not working or they're not challenging and they're not stretching themselves to their full potential and they're short short circuiting their entire future mm -hmm. because they're thinking I've got this great cushion and so on and so forth that's very dangerous absolutely especially when you start factoring in things like you know the unexpected things that could happen like the stock market and what we're experiencing right now like inflation like some of those other things it's amazing how quickly what may seem like a lot of money can all of a sudden be pennies I hate to say this but I will John you remember when a million dollars was a lot of money I mean it still uh, is yes. right but mm -hmm. relatively speaking it's not what it used to be not even close I mean you look at a lot of neighborhoods and you see where these houses are a million plus and we know that's not directly net worth but that's the idea someone's buying that asset and there's right. a lot of those assets nowadays well and we know that this year alone with inflation your values have gone down of what uh, about a, about 20 percent from the market and everything yep. else yeah with the market so the that million dollar house is not worth that anymore it's not even worth that anymore right uh, what is the average family lost in purchasing power this year about seventy two hundred dollars a year well that's true of all your assets as well so be aware of those things and young people may be you know but but there's so much going on right now that's kind of crazy people don't seem to focus on real living mm -hmm. is what i'll call it and they're worried about, you know, the world's going to end in, what is it now, eight years? Yeah, you know, seven yeah, years, John, eight years. Yeah, right. I, I can't keep track right, of what you're Right, right, exactly. You Depends know, on and, who we're listening yeah, to. Her or somebody else. And so they're saying, well, why should I worry about the future at all? There's right. not going to be a future. Right. And so they're making illogical decisions. And thankfully, John, from the time I met you, it was right after 2000, and there were a lot of people cleaning up their messes about being worried about Y2K and their oh, yeah. computer was going to melt down. And then you had the 2000, I think it was the Mayan calendar stuff. Yep. And, you know, every now and then you'll hear about a blood moon or some such thing. Nostradamus and right. his prediction there the, for a while. There is no shortage of people trying to tie financial outlooks and things like that to nonsensical things. And especially when you're feeling vulnerable, it might be easy to attach to some of those. We know that's the wrong thing. Always the wrong time. You never make big decisions in a down market or down time. Excellent. Well, we're coming up on a break here. We'll come back with this advice more as we continue to cover how to cover investment assets and wealth passing with your children or the heirs you selected. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. If you're interested in what we're talking about or you're curious about your own wealth or your financial plan, feel free to visit our website at managingtobewealthy.com or give our office a call at 614-326-3077. Happy to consult with you, review, see if we may be a fit to work together, and certainly answer any questions you may have. Well, as we continue on, guys, we're talking about wealth transfers. We know that there's a lot going on here, and there's a lot of different assets that people may have. 
one we wanted to single out that a lot of people may have is the house. So, John, when you think about someone passing down a house to a child or children, what comes to mind? Sympathy. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because, you know, they're picking up the, the house. I mean, even my house, it's reasonably large. And so uh, for my child to inherit that house, I don't, I'm not sure she wants it <laughs> because of all that goes with it. You know, it costs several thousand dollars in the spring to open up the landscape and whatever mm -hmm. else like that. And in the winter, someone has to shovel. I used to do that, but now I can't see and can't walk, so it's pretty hard. <laughs> Uh, but there's there's a, a lot of things that come with that house. Yep. And and by then, the other thing to remember with all these inheritors is they're going to own these things to some extent already. So if you have a house and you want to give them your house, maybe they may not want that house at right. all. doesn't fit their plans. Maybe the Ferrari, that might go, <laughs> Craig, when you give them that, but the, your daughter will look good in that Ferrari. Hey, listen, if I have a Ferrari, I'm, I may be buried in that bad boy, but that is not in my financial plan right now, John. <laughs> Anyone who knows Craig is laughing out loud. <laughs> he might end up with the toy car, but oh, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's shelling out for much more. No, 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 um, no. Well, just knowing this, John, you said it's sympathy there because – You've got the memories, you've got the financial obligations, maybe. Just you might have your own family, your own life and job, and now you got to unwind this house. So there's a couple options you have throughout life. You know, one of them, if the kids are interested, you could sell the house to the kids. Mm -hmm. Craig, what do you think about that option? Biggest question in my mind is can they afford it? I mean, you may say, hey, yes, we can set it up. Maybe you want to act as the bank for the kids, create a family loan arrangement at that point. But, I mean, if, you know, let's say we've got a $600,000 house with a couple that's bringing in together $100,000 per year, that math doesn't work out. You know, that's probably far more house than they can afford. So are you also going to gift them money to maintain the home like you're talking about, John? All these things can start to pile up and – you may be actually putting them further behind financially by selling them that house than you are by actually just selling it outright, taking the cash and giving that to them. Well, and there's also a trust method where you can give the children the house. And so you give them the house and you set up a trust and you put the house in there and it says you're going to live 10 years, 20 years. Mm -hmm. At the end of that time, you get thrown out of the house, theoretically, or the kids could rent it to you, but they own the house. And you save uh, estate taxes, presumably, because the house will appreciate in value, mm -hmm. but they get it at that lesser cost. So that's a way to do it. Or you could do a SIN. I like that one. <laughs> do a well, sin. you mean with well, that's an where the C. Yeah, there's a C in there, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I knew you guys would catch on. <laughs> because that's a really sweet deal if you set it up. If the house is big enough and et cetera, mm -hmm. then it might be worth setting something up. And what it says is, the kids are, quote, unquote, buying it from you yep. along the way. They're paying you a monthly premium. But uh, if they die along the way, whatever the balance is, doesn't count anymore. Right. They don't know that. So yeah. that's that's a wonderful little deal. That self-canceling installment, no, yes, that sin that you're talking about there. Right. It's not sinly, but it is certainly a great tool to use for sure. And, and it's a challenge if you gift the house to the child. Mm -hmm. Because now the what happens to the basis of the house? Right. Got to think about that sort of thing. If you have an office building, for example, and you want to give it to the kids, you're actually doing them a disservice. Exactly. Because now the, the value of that property, basis tax-wise, is way lower than what the market is now. And so 
they, that's not an advantage for them. Right. Because they, you they assume die. your basis, right? right? That's right. So better you should die, and then they assume the basis at your death. Because that way you get an adjustment or a step up in basis. So that's the, what we want. Yep. So if the property <laughs> is valued at a million dollars, but you purchased it for 200000 you gift it to them. They're basically taking over ownership, assuming, hey, I bought this place for 200000 Whereas if you pass, all of a sudden now they're taking it over at that million dollar valuation. Let's say it goes up for the next five years, and now you sell it for one point five. Now all of a sudden, only half a million dollars is deemed taxable income, not one point three million, right. which creates a dramatically different tax bill at that you point. Bet. So we've come up with a couple different methods. We could sell it to the kids. We can gift it to the kids. We can leave it to them when we die. We could transfer it to a trust along the way, perhaps. Is there any right or wrong answer, John, out of those? Yes. Okay, well, for, pick, pick one. Pick one. Okay. Okay. I like it, though. I mean, it really depends, right? It yeah. does depend on so many circumstances. And, you know, with the way the market juggles, what's good about what we're going through now is people are recognizing the market as volatility, mm -hmm. not just the stock market, but everything. Houses are changing in value, even your trinkets that you have. Gold is not keeping up, you know, the. Bitcoin, do they still sell that Bitcoin stuff? It, someone's out there still buying it's it. Still I don't buying, know who. Okay, but. and all that stuff. And I just saw a report where everything has been down, including Bitcoin and gold mm -hmm. and whatever else the case may be. So recognizing that things are volatile no matter what is healthy for both the owner and the recipient. Does not always go up in value. Yeah, unfortunately, that's okay. true. Okay, especially for those who might have paid above asking even in some kind of bidding war where the bank wouldn't back it up. So you've got to bring cash to that. And when you see that market decline, like you're saying, 10, 20%, and you already bid above asking or above what the market was, we see how that snowballs into a bad scenario. Right. And there's, of course, for the seller, the uh, reverse mortgage situation. If they're not really concerned about giving it or selling it to the kids, they could do a reverse mortgage. How's that work, Craig? Yeah, so basically with the reverse mortgage, if we're talking the traditional one that, you know, maybe Tom Selleck or some other big celebrities are out there talking about. Oh, is he doing that for me? <laughs> he's not doing that for you, <laughs> not for your sake. Uh, but basically what happens is you basically sign over the home to the bank and you receive a monthly annual amount where basically you're just pooling from the equity. But there is a different kind of reverse mortgage out there called a home equity convertible mortgage or a HECM for short. And basically with this program, again, all the details are online. There's an excellent company here in town that helps out with this as well. Um, but basically the way that that program works, instead of signing it over to the bank, you basically say, I'm gonna maintain ownership of my home, but I want the option to tap the equity out of my home and use that for my lifestyle if I wanted. So in the morbid scenario that uh, the expert had come in and talked to us about, um, they've actually talked about an idea of essentially someone being on their deathbed, having a line or having this heckum that's available and being able to write a check to their heirs. So that way they're giving them the cash as opposed to giving them the asset and being able to keep the family happy, keep the wealth transferred and go about their business. And it's tax-free. And it's tax-free. You got a, it. That's a fun part about this. You know, I was reviewing this with a fun couple last week, and we're going through talking about it. And, you know, I had to eat my words so much, John. You're going to laugh at this. But, you know, I'm describing trying to pitch them on the idea. You know, this might be for you. Let's think about this. We always review the idea 
before we ever implement anything. And I brought, you know, do the kids really want this house? You know, by the, you know what old houses are, you know, it's got the smell to it. It's got, and the, she just started laughing. She was like, are you saying we're going to stink when we're old? <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean it that way. You know, we had a good, yes. <laughs> well, we had a good laugh, John. Well, as we continue on, we're going to talk about how to pass down other assets and some of the other techniques you can use. So we'll talk about this and more. You're listening listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings, hello, and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. Tonight we're covering how to pass assets to the next generation, some of the things to talk to them about, some of the things to consider for yourself. We just covered the house. There's a couple other big assets most people would have, though. Craig, when you think about a bank account, are there any specifics there people should be aware of? No, probably not. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. That was too easy. Of course. Yeah, I know a lot of times what people talk about is being listed on a bank account, but a lot of times that can have a lot of different meanings. So when you're really looking at it, the the most efficient way to pass money or a bank account to an heir is to use what's called a payable on death provision. For investment accounts or other accounts, that may be a transfer on death. Uh, But basically what that is is you're taking your bank account and you're designating, okay, if I'm not here, who do I want to take over the money or who do I want the money to go to? So it's basically like adding a beneficiary like you have for your life insurance policies. It's basically like adding that to the bank account and saying, hey, if I'm not here, I want it to go to this person. And there's a really, really big difference here. Like you said, Craig, the details matter. Adding someone as a beneficiary is a lot different than adding them as a joint owner. Yep. A joint owner can go in there and say, give me my money. I'm an owner. I'm actively an owner right now. But if they're a beneficiary, well, that only triggers if someone dies. Exactly. Pretty big difference there. John, I'm sure you have some insights here on the matter. No, I don't have any bank accounts, so. <laughs> Living in the, the, the cash economy, huh? Oh, yeah. You trade your gold and Bitcoin for stuff? No, but there are some simple things like you guys just explained, this uh, passing the money on mm-hmm. properly and not just sitting there and holding it in a cash drawer in your closet or something of that nature. Everything you have, you have to consider. That's why we call it managing to be wealthy. Yep. Because you have to manage everything about your wealth. And your wealth includes your slippers and your car and your vacuum cleaner and everything you have. And so you have to consider how do you want that treated. Mm-hmm. And there there are some people who don't care, like your children. Some children won't want anything. Right. They'll say, give it to my sister or whatever the case. Yep. So you have to be involved, hopefully, with your family. And, of course, that's a big challenge today, right? Mm-hmm. Families are not involved as much as they used to be, and that could put a little wrench in what we're teaching today. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's not just bank accounts. You know, like I was kind of alluding to, there's other accounts that are out there, like retirement accounts, investment accounts. John, like you had mentioned, there's cars. Um, Even referring back to what we did in the last segment, talking about the home, you can add a transfer on death deed to your home. So the same idea, you're essentially creating a direct path for where that money should go, 
And the one thing I don't think that we've mentioned just yet is, well, why would we do that? What's the purpose behind it other than maybe making things simple? And the primary reason for it is to escape probate or basically the expense where the state is going to become involved and dictate where money should go. If that's the case or if we don't have that beneficiary on file or we don't have that transfer on death or that payable on death, now all of a sudden the state becomes involved and they say, for us giving this direction, we'll charge a not-so-nominal fee to your estate, sometimes around 5% of whatever the asset is. But if you start talking about those larger assets, that can become a pretty hefty chunk of change. And that's such a good point, Craig, because the people who are hurt most by this probate are the lower income people. Absolutely. They tend not to know about this. They don't know the cost of all of this. And they assume, you know, they don't have anything, so there's no cost to dying. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that's not true. So go over your finances, you know, listen to our radio show, get some materials out there because it's your money and no one cares more about your money than you do. Well said, John. Well said. Again, the family farm, whatever it might be, you've got to think ahead on this stuff. We just covered the bank account. I mean, that's one. And you realize, of course, sometimes Social Security goes in there directly. You get that check deposited. Usually the funeral director is the one who lets Social Security know, hey, this person died, stop the checks. But if you see those checks are still coming into that account, they will want that money back. So just be aware of that as well, that when you're doing your banking and you're passing on things here, that you're aware that if things continue that maybe shouldn't have, that you keep that money in reserve because there may be people coming to collect it or it may just be due back, which is really important to be aware of, especially like you said, John, if you're not familiar with wealth or some of this is really tight, any of that money that may be due back really becomes a big burden. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that's where too, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, when we know that someone's passed and maybe we aren't working with them directly or, or anything of that nature, but we're working with someone that may be receiving something directly, usually we have to help clean up some of the mistakes or some of the things that have been made. We have to help coach them on what records to keep, what's relevant, when to start moving things. And so like we've always said, and John, you in particular, you know, usually... Yes, we need to start jumping on the estate, looking at what accounts need to be transferred, those kind of things. But any significant thoughts or any significant decisions probably shouldn't be made for the first year afterwards because so many things are still going to be settled. So many creditors may still be coming back looking for money. And if it's gone, if it's not there to cover it, well, you may be paying out of your own pocket some of those expenses. And there's 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 another sad aspect to this. When there is a death, especially if it's a single person, then all the people who are on the outliers come and take stuff. Mm-hmm. They just literally come and take it. I'm thinking of a friend of mine who died recently, and he had a lot of art. Now, it was reasonably uh, rich, richy or not. But nonetheless, by the time his brother went in the house to examine it, a lot of the art was gone. Oh, jeez. And those people who had been in that house supposedly helping him or whatever, they came and just took the art hmm. and didn't care about what papers said or whatever. So if you have family members or whatever, who's going to, if they come in and audit, are you going to pay taxes on that money? Or are you going to, how are you going to treat that asset you received? And more importantly, you didn't follow the will of the person who owned it originally. Right. right. And that's, we, 
I mean, the more you can take this out of the state's hands or the other person's hands, the better. And Craig, you mentioned one of the tools here, and we know it. We're not attorneys. All of this you would hopefully review with your estate attorney as you're getting your estate together, but hopefully we're giving you some of the considerations, some things to think about where maybe it's going to help you cross the hump to call the attorney. I know sometimes it's a difficult discussion to say, why are you going to go spend potentially thousands of dollars to consult this professional? And it's these kinds of things. I mean, you talked about probate a little bit. One of the negatives, even aside from the monetary aspect, is the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending upon the court system or the county, it could take months, if not years, to get that court date and get things settled and get that judge to approve. So if you can do something like a transfer on death or a payable on death, where that asset just goes directly over and you're not waiting on probate, that's a really important thing. I mean, you think about, again, some of these assets like an older car, I mean, what happens to that when it just sits for a year? Well, in most times, not now. Now it probably went up in value. Right. But in most times, it's sitting there depreciating. So if you can take care of this stuff ahead of time, it makes a lot of sense. Well, what about antiques? Ooh, another good one, John. <clears throat> or, you know, if a garage full of antiques or, for that matter, the house is full of antiques, how are you going to treat that? See, well, these are all the things to think about. And we know there's a lot more, too. Again, if you have questions, give our office a call, 614-326-3077. Tonight, we've been covering generational wealth and how to go through that and really discuss it, discuss it. Because one of the key points, John, I think we've all agreed is we have to have the conversations. Amen. So as we're coming up at the end of the show here Hopefully, you're able to have those conversations with your family, your loved ones, your potential heirs, because the earlier you do, I bet it's going to feel a lot better. Uh, you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy tonight on News Radio 610 WTVN.